Adonai, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you desire to do today in our hearts through this message. I pray that you would not only give me your words, but that I would be able to convey your heart on this day. I pray for open ears, and I pray for hearts that are able to uh, receive from your heart on this day. In Yeshua's name, amen. The title of today's message, I do not have a PowerPoint, but the CD people like a title. makes life easier when they're uploading it. So the title is Lessons Learned in Sudden Storms. Several years ago when I was uh, working with the youth, I remember showing them a video. And I'm not going to show the video today. It's like a 10-minute video. But I want to relay the video to you. This father was talking about how they were away, you know, on a family vacation in a cabin in the woods somewhere, and he decided to go for a hike with his son. His son was toddler age, maybe 12 months, a little bit older. And you know how they have those, those um, carry packs that you can carry your kids in? So sometimes I have Mira and the baby Bjorn. So he had his son in like a backpack on his back, and they went out for a hike, and they're walking. And I guess they were going around the lake, and he said just as they got to the furthest point... Uh, from the cabin, he noticed the sky begin to change, and the clouds started rolling in, and he said, I need to turn around. So they start turning around, and of course, it begins to rain, and the baby begins to cry, and the rain turns into a storm, and now it's thunder and lightning, and he's recounting the story of how his son is on his back, and he begins to, like, shriek in sheer terror, just screaming at the top of his lungs, because the only reality that his son could see was the storm around him. So the father said that at that point he stopped, he kneeled down, he took his son out of the backpack, brought him to the front, cradled him in his chest, held him like this, and he said for the last mile of the walk, the entire mile, he said, I took my son and whispered in his ear, we're going to make it. Daddy knows the way home. I love you, buddy. And over and over, he says, I'm walking the whole mile home, and he's saying, I love you, buddy. We're going to make it. Daddy knows the way home. I love you, buddy. We're going to make it. Daddy knows the way home. And he goes on to say how they make it home, of course, unharmed, but how for the father, he goes, that was the most intimate, memorable treasured memory that he could have. He goes, I got to hold my son, cradle him close, and express my most intimate love and tell him how safe he is and how loved he is in the midst of what was the most terrifying storm of his life. And I open with that illustration because we're on this journey and we're walking with Yeshua and we will encounter storms. And some of you in this room are in the middle of the storm of your life. And I believe that God has a message for each of us today because there is a way that we can walk through these storms of our life victoriously and in the arms of our Father, hearing him say those words to us. So the passage of scripture that I'm going to be reading from, I actually want to read from all the passages of scriptures that contain Um, the story when Yeshua calms the storm. So I'm going to start in Mark 4. I'm not a PowerPoint person. I'm sorry. I will read slow. If you want to turn to it, it is Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. 
If you have your phones out, I'm going to assume it's because you have your Bible out and you're not on Facebook. <laughs> Deal? <laughs> it's very awkward when you're up here and you're looking and somebody's down on their phone. I've been guilty of it. And I'm like, is that your Bible or are you on Facebook? So phones for the Bible. Amen? Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his Tommy Deem, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Verse 37, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Yeshua was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The Tamidim woke him and said to him, Teacher, Rabbi, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. The wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his Tamidim, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This passage, this story is included in two other books. It's in Matthew chapter 8 and Luke chapter 8. I do want to quickly read that because I'm going to be referring to all three passages today. So same story, but now from the book of Matthew. Chapter 8 and verse 23 to 27. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, so the waves swept over the boat, but Yeshua was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And the last passage of scripture is Luke chapter 8, and reading from 22 through 25. One day Yeshua said to his Tommy Deem, let's go over to the other side of the lake. They got into a boat and set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The Tommy Deem went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up, rebuked the wind and the raging waters, and the storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith, he asked them. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. There's three quick short lessons I want to take from this passage, but let's recount. Luke 8 says that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. That's the wording that was used. Matthew 8 says, the waves were sweeping over the boat. And Mark 4 says, the furious squall came up and the waves broke over so that it was nearly being swamped. I don't know how many water people we have or boat people we have. I am not one of them. (laughs) I had to look up what the word squall meant. (laughs) It was a major storm that came up. Okay, this wasn't like a little bit of rain. It wasn't a little thunderstorm. Like the waves were crashing over the boat. The boat was being swamped. This was a storm that they were in. Now, it's good to note there were some experienced fishermen on the boat, right? Who were some of the Tommy Deem? Fishermen. So they're boat people, right? 
it's not people like me. When, when my brother-in-law takes us out on the boat, it's quite the sight to watch me on the boat. It's not good. I literally will take whatever rope he has and try and tie myself down. I tell him all the time, whatever body of water we're in, and this is how much of not a boat person, ocean, bay, I don't, never know the difference, but I always say, there's no waves where we're going, right? And he's like, it's the water that's flat, Rena. I said, okay. And wherever we go, literally, when we start, like I'm holding on, crouched down, and you know when other boats come, even though they're far away, like it's wake, it's called the wake, right? The wake of another boat. So he always tells me, Rena, there's the wake of another boat. So the boat is going to bounce a little bit and I'm holding on for dear life. I'm like, is it over yet? I'm not a boat person. But that's not who was on the boat here. These were fishermen, okay? The first drop of rain, I would be the one saying, we got to turn back, we got to go around. But this, they were panicked because there was a reason to be because it was a major storm. They were experienced fishermen, Okay? So now they're in the middle of a major storm, and there's three things that they do and that they learn. And I want to review those three things. The first thing is they literally forget who's on the boat with them. Okay, this isn't the story where, like, they're on the boat and now Yeshua is coming and walking or Yeshua stayed behind to pray. Yeshua is on the boat with them. Okay, now Yeshua is the man that they've been walking with, right? They left their jobs as fishermen to follow them because they believed that he was the Messiah, correct? It says over, and they left to follow him. They've heard his teachings. In fact, I did a little search. From the time that this, this storm happened, Yeshua had already turned water into wine, healed the official son, driven an evil spirit out of a man, healed Peter's mother, healed many, 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 many others who were sick and oppressed. He did the miraculous catch of fish. He cleansed the man with leprosy. He healed the centurion's paralyzed servant. He healed the paralytic that they dropped down from the roof. He healed the man with the wither's hand, and he raised a widow's son. And his Tommy Deem saw all this. They were a part of this. They witnessed all of this. Not only that, they heard his teachings that came with great power and great authority. And then on top of all of that, think about this very carefully. They were with him in person. How many of you guys felt the presence of the Lord here today? How awesome is that? How amazing is that? These men walked with him in the person. They encountered his love and his compassion and all of his characteristics in the person. They knew him. And now they're in the middle of the storm, and it's as if they totally forget that they have the Messiah on the boat with them. He's on the boat with them, and they're panicking and and scared, not realizing who he was. Not only that he was there, but that he was the Messiah that they could turn to in the midst of this storm. All of a sudden, the circumstances and the situation was where their focus was on. Not who was with them and who he was. They forgot. Not forgot as in, oh, I don't remember, but as in something else was taking all of their attention away from who was with them. And who he was. The second thing is they feared. They were afraid. Matthew 8, it says, they went to Yeshua and said, Lord, save us. We are going to drown. 
Mark, it says, Rabbi, don't you care? Don't you care that we're going to drown? Luke, the same thing. Rabbi, Rabbi, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Their summary is, you don't care that we're about to die. They were petrified of this storm, and they should be. It was a storm. The water was coming up. The wind was raging. The circumstances would allow for that initial fear, but they stayed right there in that fear. As opposed to making the choice of faith, they allowed their fear to dictate their emotions. And they allowed their fear to dictate their view of Yeshua. You see, Yeshua, the man who had just done all of those miracles, Yeshua, the man who had done all of those teachings with authority, Yeshua, the man of compassion and love who was radically changing everybody's life, all of a sudden became the man who does not care. Think about that. Now their situation is scary, and everything about Yeshua, everything about he was, everything that he did, all of a sudden became to them a man who does not care. Don't you care that I'm about to die? Don't you care that there is this storm in my life? Don't you care about me? Their situations started dictating their emotions, and their emotions changed the definition of who Yeshua was in their life. Say la and pause on that. There was no faith in that boat. And Yeshua even challenged them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Where is your faith? You have little faith. What, what are you afraid of? It is me, Yeshua, the Messiah. Why are you afraid? He was saying faith would have prevented the fear from overwhelming you. Yes, it's a choice. Yes, there's a reason to fear, but there is a choice to say, I see this situation and this circumstance. Yes, I feel these emotions, but I have Yeshua with me. And I know who he is. You know how they could have responded? They could have went to where he was sleeping and they could have said, we have a problem and I know that you have healed the sick and that you have cast out demons and that you have raised the dead and I know who you are, so tell us what we need to do. How are we fixing this problem? Show us. Are you going to speak to the wind and the waves? Do you want us to do it? What's the solution? Because I know you have it. But they didn't. They feared Faith is trusting who God is and turning to him when all of those emotions are raging around you because of your situation. Faith is saying, I feel it, I see it, but I'm going to turn to God. And I'm going to see what his solution is and how to go forth in this storm. The last thing that we see is that they found out What did they find out? They found out who Yeshua was that day. Yeshua speaks and he calms the storm. And what did the Talmudim say? In all three accounts, they say, who is this? What kind of man is this? 
after that list that I just said, after everything that they've seen, after every encounter that they've had, after everything that Yeshua has done, he does this. He speaks to the storm and they receive a revelation and they find out who this is. This isn't a man. This is the Messiah. All of a sudden, this storm and this situation in their life brought them to a greater revelation of who Yeshua was as Messiah for them because now he saved them. Now he came through for them. And this storm brought a revelation not only into their lives of who Yeshua was, but where they were in their faith. A lesson for them. They did not have the faith that maybe they thought. They're looking at each other saying, who is this? An answer you thought that I thought they would know. They should know he's the Messiah. They were following him and seeing everything. And yet it was revealed on a greater level to them. They found out not only who Yeshua was but where they were in their faith. The storm served a purpose in their life. They were not overcome. They did not die. They did not drown. The boat did not sink. No one was injured or harmed. It was scary. It was dangerous. It was intense. But it served a purpose in their life. So the question is, what do we learn from them and from this story? What are our lessons to learn for our storms of life? Number one, we need to remember who Yeshua is. And you need to remember that he is always with you. Always with you. When all of a sudden the storms of your life are coming, we need to say, I know who God is. I know he is the Messiah, and I know that he is with me. He's not some far-off God who doesn't care. He's not aloof to your struggles. He's not put off by your emotions. But when the storm comes, we can't forget like the Talmudim forgot. We need to say, I see the storm. I see my emotions, but I know that God is with me, and I know who he is. You need to look back on scripture and you need to see time and time and time and time and time and time and time again, God always comes through. Always. Always. Find passages of scripture that speak of peace and his presence always being with us, never leaving us. Think back on the previous storms of your life where you were like, I don't know how this is ever going to work, how it's ever going to pan out, and yet God moved and he worked through your life and you made it through that storm. So when a storm comes and it seems bigger and scary, you need to say, no, no, no. He came through here, he's going to come through over there. When you're facing something that you've never faced before but somebody else has faced, you look back on somebody else's storm. And I can look at Marlene and I can say, God came through for her. He's going to come through for me. He's going to do it time and time again. And I'm going to remember specifically. When I say remember, I'm not saying, like, oh, just have it in your mind. You need to purpose yourself. You need to speak those things out. When your storm comes, you need to say, I choose to remember that I serve the God who heals. I choose to remember that I serve the God who provides. 
I choose to remember that I am serving the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is more powerful and he will come through. You have to purpose it in your heart and speak it out. The second thing, we have to respond in faith and not fear. Your emotions are real. Your situation is real. The fear is real. This is not about saying you shouldn't be afraid, don't cry, don't be stressed out. It's all there. But when all of that comes, choose how you respond. Choose how you respond. Yeshua asleep on the boat was not a demonstration of his lack of compassion or his lack of ability. It was his demonstration of his sovereignty and the peace that he could have in the midst. We have to remember who he is, and when these storms come up, we have to choose to respond in faith. You see, Yeshua knew that the storm was not going to overtake them. Yeshua knew that they were going to be okay. Yeshua knew that it was going to serve a purpose in their life, that they were going to truly begin to understand who Yeshua was, that they needed to know that knowledge so that they can continue on with the Besorah and the good news, and that this storm was going to reveal to them on a deeper level. They accused him of sleeping on the job. And if we're honest, sometimes we do the same thing. Where were you, God? We say things like, why didn't Yeshua just prevent the storm? Or when it first started, why didn't he wake up and say, I got this. Don't worry about it. It's taken care of. And the truth is, we often think we know better. God could have prevented it. Why do I even need to experience the storm in the first place? Why is the storm going on for more than a week, more than a year? Why did this storm end in what seems like destruction in my life or death in my life? Why is this panning out the way that it's panning out? And the fear and the doubt and the hurt begins to overtake us. And the challenge for us and the encouragement for us is to say, I'm going to choose faith in the midst of this situation. We had Shavuot just a couple of uh, weeks ago. Shavuot's my favorite holiday, and it's also the holiday that makes me the most stressed because it's so powerful. I mean, I could talk about my very first Shavuot here. I don't even know what Shavuot was. I knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. I knew absolutely nothing. I just knew I came up for prayer, and my life was changed forever, forever. So every time that Shavuot comes, I anticipate awesome things. And then I get nervous because I hear the enemy all the time. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? So this particular Shavuot, I was already struggling. For those of you who were here, you know the story. If you don't, Chris ended up falling and hurting her leg. And the EMT buff that I am, I called 911. Right, wrong, or indifferent, that's what I did. Once you're an EMT, it's just, there's something about it. We like ambulance. I don't know. I called 911. Chris can tolerate pain like you've never seen. She's had both her kids or at least one of them without epidural. I saw her in pain. I said, this is bad. She broke her leg. Her pelvic is all whatever. It was bad. Call 911. We take her to the hospital. I don't even know why I went. I honestly don't. No offense, Chris. I didn't want to go. (laughs) 
But I ended up going. Wayne was in the ambulance with her, and I take Wayne's car. I turn the car on. Wayne's not here. I told him he had to listen to this message. I turn the car on, and worship music is playing. Here's my transparency. It's a little ugly, but it's true. I am angry at God at this point. And I just say, great way of ruining Shavuot in my heart. I just keep going after God. Nice job, God. How many people are able to receive now? Everybody's worried about the ambulance. Chris's leg is all messed up. She has a new job. And I am angry and angry. A night before, I read an article that Rabbi Carol sent that, you know, about Shavuot and how the, the Holy Spirit can minister. And I was like, what are you going to do? Minister me in my car? It's ugly. I'm not saying we should talk to God that way, but he wasn't, he wasn't put off by that. And all of a sudden, I start crying. I'm not going to be able to put to words what happened in that car. For almost two years, every time I came up here for prayer, whoever prayed for me, I remember just saying, I have to stop. Something's hurting me. And I'm just afraid of how I'm going to respond. And every prayer, the pain that I, I had this pain, I, I don't even know why it was there, where it came from, but it was a sharp pain. I kept saying, I really feel like there's a knife in my heart. And I would immediately stop because I didn't want to react here. The thought, oh, I'm going to cry too loud. I'm going to scream. I'm going to whatever. For two years, this went on. I kept saying, God, when I go home, I'm by myself. Like, what is this? I don't understand. All of a sudden, in that car, I just started crying. What took place in that car? was the move of God that I have never experienced in my life in the 20-minute drive to Stony Brook Hospital of my life. And I heard God so clearly say, you never would have let me do this at the congregation. Never. The way that I responded, the way that I needed to cry out, everything that came out of me, there's no way, and I know it, that that would have happened here. And God said, I had you in this car, and this was my plan. And my immediate reaction was, what about Chris's leg? And he said, it's going to be fine. We don't see how God uses everything, everything for our benefit. We respond in fear. We respond in anger, accusing him. Where were you? Why did you let this happen? And meanwhile, God's saying, I got it. Yes, the storm is bad. Yes, I know you're afraid. Yes, I know it hurts, but I have a purpose for it, and it's going to make sense. Trust me. Respond in faith. One of the apologists that I, I follow, he shared this story when somebody said, you know, why does God make bad things happen? Why is there evil in the world? Some of you are familiar with this story, but he basically says, there was a man who lost his horse that ran away, and the neighbor came to him and said, hey, bad luck, huh? Your horse is gone. And the man says, what do I know about these things? Well, the horse comes back, and he brings 20 other wild horses with him. And the neighbor says, hey, good luck. Your horse ran away, but now you have 20 more. And the man says, what do I know about these things? So the man's young son, he goes out and he's trying to tame one of these new wild horses. And the horse kicks him and breaks his leg. And the neighbor's saying, oh, bad luck, I guess. It was bad luck because now you got the 20 horses, but your son's leg is broken. And the man says, what do I know about these things? Apparently, there were thugs that were coming through the, the town. And they were looking for new recruits, able-bodied men. They come to the man's house, and his young son is there, and they find out that he has a broken leg. He goes, I don't want you, and they move on to the next house. And the neighbor says, it was good luck. 
because now your son is not with the thugs in the gang. And the man says, what do I know about these things? And the way that, that this apologist explains it is in this one short little series, in this example, you don't know what lies ahead. You don't know how it's for your benefit or for your future. So wait until you are face to face with the God of gods, the king of kings, and wait while he tells you how it's all going to fit in and how it was all for your benefit and for the benefit of his kingdom and for the salvation of his people. All of it. Respond in faith. We don't understand. The storm is bad, but God is good and he is Messiah, and he is with you, and he will never leave you. You don't have to understand it, and yes, it's okay that it hurts, but don't respond in fear or anger. Respond in faith. I took my daughter to the pediatrician yesterday. I literally handed her to a stranger, right, and my daughter screamed her head off. Now, we're used to it. They're kids, and they hate doctors, but the look in her eyes, it was as if, and maybe I interpreted it, it was as if she said, what are you doing, mom? Why did you let me go into her arms? She's shoving things in my mouth. She's holding me down. She's stabbing me with a needle. What does my daughter understand, though? She doesn't understand. But she's crying out in pain. Hysterical. (laughs) Not able to catch her breath. She starts choking. Why? Because all she sees is the pain. And that I am there allowing it to happen. But I know better than my daughter. I'm 36. She's six months old. When you are presented with pain of life, please allow your Abba Father to say, I know you don't understand, but I am here, and I will see you through. I have not left you, and I will not leave you. Respond with that faith. The last thing... Allow him to reveal to you what he wants to reveal to you. Some storms in your life are because you need to see who Yeshua is on a greater level. He wants to reveal himself as Messiah in a different way for you to understand. I'm not saying God creates all the storms. I'm not saying he's the author of evil. I'm saying when the storms come, when the enemy comes and he's trying to make you afraid and nervous, God is saying, I'm in control of all things and I will use all things, even the bad things, even the plans of the enemy for your benefit. And he wants to reveal who he is to you in the midst of those storms. But he also wants to reveal who we are in the midst of those storms. Just like the Tommy Dean needed to understand their lack of faith and how they really weren't understanding who this man was, sometimes the storms in our life are going to serve to teach us what we need to see about ourselves as well as what we need to understand about Yeshua. Relief from the storm is not the best thing that can happen to you. The best thing that can happen to you is to be conformed into the image of Yeshua. You see, the enemy can use the storm to make you anxious, afraid, hurt, discouraged, angry, 
but Adonai can use it to make you fearless, secure, and steadfast. That's not my quote. I forgot to write the author down or else I would give credit where it was due. But hear that. Relief from the storm is not the best thing that can happen to you. Chris gave a testimony about her new job and how grateful she is. I think she's cried almost every day this week on that job. And how many times she wanted to quit and go back. But the answer is not save me from the storm or from the difficulties. It's show me what you need to show me in the midst of this. Too many times we're saying, God, you just need to stop this storm. You need to change this situation, and you need to do it this way and my way, and it should have been done that way. And we respond with all of this, I know best, and you didn't do it. And meanwhile, God is saying, no, 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 the answer is not necessarily for this storm to not have come into your life or for it to, it to have passed quickly. It's for me to have my will and my way in this situation. I'm going to close with this. Colin Smith said this. It was uh, one of the pastors. I was reading an article that he said. He said, the storm is not where you face your enemy. It's where you meet your God. The storm is not where you face your enemy. It's where you meet your God. We need to begin to change the perspective on the storms of our life. I can't go into details on the week that Evan and I had with family situations, but it was the storm of storms as we were going down to Virginia. And it was as if we had, at least for me, I think Evan would agree, a revelation of the kingdom of darkness and how meticulous the kingdom of darkness is to get you so shackled and bound up and to blame it all on God. And here we are as believers who say, I know Messiah, I know who he is, and then we get the storm in our lives and we say, don't you care that we're drowning, God? Don't you care that I'm going to die? And the rest of the world who is really shackled by hell and really entangled by demons and the things of darkness, they're hearing this whisper, it's all God's fault. Don't turn to him. It's all God's fault that you're here. He left you. He abandoned you. He forsake you. And they turn to us and they look at us and what do they find in us? Let it be faith. Don't let them turn to us and have us say, oh, I don't know where God was. I don't know why that situation happened that way. I don't know why my life is this way. I don't know why he never answered that prayer. I don't know why. Let them look to us and say, he is good. Oh, I don't understand everything, but he's a good God. Oh, no, I don't know why you walk that way in your life and why that had to happen to you, but I know God loves you, and I know he's going to use it for your good, and I know that he is a good God. And, yes, I've been through the storms in my life too, but I know that I know that he is Messiah, and I know that I know that he's going to turn this situation around. When they are going through the storms of life, let them see an example in our storms of who God is. I've read a short excerpt on a, a book, and I'm going to close with this one question. Do you know him? Do you, do you know him? 
Yes, he's the Messiah. He's the son of God. He's the savior. My sins are forgiven. He died on the tree of sacrifice. I know what you know in your head. And if you're here and you don't know the basics, then you come talk to us. Or if you're listening on podcasts and you really don't know that Yeshua is the Jewish Messiah and he came for the salvation of the world and to forgive your sins, there are details that we can share with you. But for you in this room, or if you are listening and you are a believer and you've put your faith in him, my question is, do you know him and his heart and his love and his compassion And how he is good and desires good for you. You see, the Tommy Deem responded with this question, who is this man? But in the book that I read, they said, if you go to the book of Mark, this happened in chapter 8. We break up the Bible in chapters and verses because it's easier, right? So we isolate chapter 8. But do you know what happened in chapter 9? They crossed over and they encountered a man with an evil spirit. Does anybody remember the reaction with that man who had the demons inside of him, what they said? Yeshua comes with his Tommy Deem. And this is what they said. What do you want with me, Yeshua, son of the most high God? They knew who he was. Think about that. His own Tommy Deem on the boat with him, watching everything that he has done, all the miracles, all the teachings, encountering him. They were saying, who is this man? Yeshua steps onto the scene with a man with an evil spirit, and they say, what do you want with us? Yeshua, son of the most high God. They knew him. I'm going to purpose in my heart, and I encourage you and challenge you, I don't want the demons to know him better than I know him. I want to know him. I want to know who he is for me in my life. And I want to take that and I want other people to know him. Because the darkness in this world is dark. And there are people that are so shackled by hell. That are so desperate to know who God is. When they encounter me, let me be the person to say, I know him. And I'm going to introduce you to him. I'm not going to be put off by your facade and your anger. I'm not going to be put off by the storms. I'm not going to be put off by the waves. I'm not going to be put off by the sickness and the disease and the death. I'm not going to be put off by anything that I see or anything that I walk through because I know him and I know that he is good. Let us remember who he is. Let us respond in faith. And let us receive that revelation of who he is in our life and where we need to grow in our relationship with him. If we can have our worship team come up, I will open up the altars, four altars, the front for ministry time. I want to encourage you. I believe with all my heart, God wants to speak to you. To give you answers to the questions of the storms of your life that you may not necessarily understand, but to reveal himself to you in a greater way so that you may know him and walk with him and truly be people that are going to begin to impact this world around us. Amen? Let me close in prayer. Adonai, I thank you so much.
for who you are. Adonai, I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you are always with us. I thank you that you never forsake us. I pray, Lord, that we would never forget it. I pray, Lord, we would begin to respond and react in faith in the midst of the things that we don't understand. I pray, Lord, on this day, today, right now, Lord, that you would begin to reveal yourself to people in a greater way. God, that you would be their personal Messiah, their best friend, the lover of their soul. I pray with all my heart, God, that you would minister to hearts that are hurting right now, people who have gone through storms that they don't understand, that have caused such great pain, such great sorrow, God. I pray, God, that you would minister to those wounds, God, where they have cried out and said, but I did cry out to you, God, and I asked you for your help, and it seems like you weren't there, and you let me drown. You let my friend drown. You let these things happen, God. I pray that you would begin to minister to those wounds on this day, and you would bring a revelation of the truth of who you are, that though we don't understand, and though it feels like you have forsaken us, though it feels like you have left us, that you are the lover of our souls that you are good and that one day there will be a greater revelation than what we could ever, ever imagine. But until that day where it's all spelled out for us, God, reveal your heart to us, God. Your heart of love and compassion. And I pray, God, that in the storms of our life on this day, those that we will encounter, God, that we would be like that little boy in the father's arms and the little girl in her daddy's arms allowing you to whisper to us I love you I know the way we're gonna make it I pray God that we wouldn't hold you back that we would release that anger that we would let go of our pride that we would allow you to speak to us Don't leave. Go for the Oneg if you don't want to go for prayer. I almost forgot about bagels and coffee.